Hello, and thanks for coming back for more of Your New Mexico Government. I'm Kaveh Movahead. Today, we're going to talk about housing issues in front of the legislature this session, from helping people who are unhoused to addressing the lack of affordable homes in New Mexico. We have a serious problem that is not easy or quick to solve. There are some lawmakers who are trying to help, though. We'll discuss some of the bills that have been filed so far with KUNM reporter Alice Fordham. She's new with KUNM, but has a lot of experience reporting around the world and on challenging topics. And she's gung-ho on covering the challenges of helping New Mexico's unhoused people. And it's a treat to have her on today. And we're glad you're here with us, too. Reach out by email at ynmg at kunm.org if you'd like to pitch a topic for an upcoming show or get our attention on other legislative news. And make sure you're up to date by following hashtag YNMG. Finally, as always, we want to thank our media partner, New Mexico PBS and the Thornburg Foundation, who's funding this project. Make sure you listen all the way through today. After the chat with Alice, we'll do a quick catch-up on some of the more impactful legislation that's moved or stalled this week. Off we go. I'm Alice Fordham. I'm a general assignment reporter at KUNM. I've been on the job uh, nearly two weeks. Alice Fordham, you're my newest colleague. (laughs) It's good to be here. Yeah, it's nice to be in the same room with someone, too. That's nice. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We are here today to talk a little bit about some of the reporting you've been doing and also some of the bills that, you know, we think we're going to see that are related that are in the legislature right now. First, though, before we dive into lawmakers' proposals, you've been reporting on homelessness. What have you found out there? Right. Yeah. So it has been interesting to see in the legislative session that a bunch of uh, laws are being discussed that are related to housing and homelessness, because it's something that I really wanted to dive into when I started this job. So the perception, at least, of homelessness, the number of people who are experiencing homelessness has increased in New Mexico over the last couple of years. And actually here in Santa Fe in particular, there's been some kind of social tensions among um, businesses and um, residents who are complaining that there are more homeless people on the streets and that their behavior has changed, has become aggressive. There's at least one business that's closed down. So it's something that I wanted to look into to find out, you know, how big the impact of the pandemic really had been on homelessness. Um, So what I did is I went to report in one of Santa Fe's largest shelters. I went one day when they were serving lunch and they have picnic tables outside um, and people were sitting outside having lunch. So I went and chatted with them. And one striking thing about the folks there is that they were actually quite a bit older than I had expected. A lot of them are in their 60s or above. And speaking to people, quite a lot of them are on fixed incomes and used to be able to afford rent and can't afford rent anymore because housing prices have increased here so much. I I spoke to one lady in her 50s. She had struggled with addiction previously in her life, but before the pandemic, she had had a steady job, which she'd lost, and she'd become homeless for the first time in her life in her late 50s and spiraled into addiction. And she was telling me that she was saved by this friend she'd made, this guy called Patrick, who was there also. I've been clean and I met Patrick and he showed me ropes how to be homeless, you know, because I didn't know how to do it. I was scared. And so I spoke to Patrick as well, and he said that he had seen a lot of people who were in similar situations. I believe the the, the, the COVID situation has actually made things a lot worse. Because a lot of people have actually 
they've almost lost the will to live. Um, what I mean is, uh, a lot of people probably had really had really good jobs, had really great living, and everything was was lost. Everything, you know, they take away their income, and when it comes back to be rehired, they're not being rehired. And depression kicks in, and alcoholism kicks in, and and you find an outlet. And sometimes that outlet is is alcohol and drugs. And then another thing, both from speaking to the people who were guests at the shelter and from speaking to the people who run the shelter, is that it's not just pandemic-related economic disruption. There's, in parallel, been a crisis of drug addiction. Fentanyl has become stronger, more addictive, and there are more people who are dysfunctional because of it than than were previously. Now, I wonder if you know, I've heard a little bit of reporting about fentanyl. I don't know a lot about it, but what I've heard is that it's often added to other drugs. Are people using fentanyl on its own, or is it usually an additive, something to accentuate, I I don't even know, other drugs? So what the people who ran the shelter and also the people who are using fentanyl told me is that until quite recently, you would usually inject fentanyl or fentanyl and a mixture of other things. What is readily available now is small blue pills. And they're actually like sort of melted down on a bit of foil and smoked. Weirdly, actually, one upside of this is that people aren't sharing needles as much. And so there's been less transmission of disease. But the high is higher and shorter. So people are taking more. And also the overdoses are getting more dangerous. So the people in the shelter were telling me that you know you can use Narcan spray to bring someone back from an overdose. But you used to only need one dose, one spray. And they're needing like three, four doses to be able to bring people around from an overdose. And talking to people there, it's stronger. It's highly, highly addictive. And people said openly that if you are that addicted, then you're more likely to commit crimes to be able to get high. And one thing that has exacerbated the drug issues is pandemic related. And that's that so much has gone online and actually... NA, AA meetings do not work as well online. I've heard that uh, recovery and detox centres are restricted in the number of people they can take. And that just means that, I mean, they were saying in, in, in the shelter that I went to, people used to walk in and say, like, I'm ready, please help me. And you could get them to detox right away. And now you can't do that. And I think that's really heartbreaking. This is a sad situation. What bills are we seeing in the legislative session that are designed to help in one way or another? So there's a bunch of things and they're mainly aimed at either helping people not to become homeless who are in their homes and increasing the housing stock in New Mexico. Housing advocates say that there just is an enormous shortfall in the amount of affordable housing. You know, tens of thousands of houses need to be built. So one committee meeting that I went to earlier this week was the House Consumer and Public Affairs Committee, and they were debating a bill called HB 65, House Bill 65. Part of the reason that that bill exists is that one thing that people are worried about is eviction. The nationwide eviction moratorium expired last year. Um, There are still some protections in place in New Mexico. 
I just want to jump in and say that the state Supreme Court has created an eviction diversion program that will have the effect of ending the eviction moratorium first starting in just eastern New Mexico and a few rural counties. That's in February. And then it's supposed to go statewide in March. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. But the Basic laws here are some of the toughest in the country for renters. So, for example, if you're given a late notice on your rent, you only have three days to pay before an eviction notice can be served. House Bill 65 would extend that time frame. It would extend the amount of time you have to get out of your house after an eviction notice is served. It reduces things like the amount that can be charged for late fees. And it's designed to help tenants who are struggling out by making it a requirement that if they're in court, they're given information about their rights and about various subsidies and so on that they can apply for. In that hearing, it was passed by a majority in that committee. And there was some very emotional testimony about the possible impact of this. There was one lady called Melissa Martinez, who's with the nonprofit Olay, but she's also a single parent. So it was hard to get on our feet when my daughter was just six months old and my, st- my son was in utero. I'm asking for you guys to participate in considering this bill because it is important to women like me that are just trying to make a better future for our children that don't believe that it is fair to pay higher amounts for rent when the landlords don't abide by the contracts or the agreements and sustainability in the house. My children are with me, and I hope that you can help me participate in their future. Thank you. Do you have any idea how likely that bill is to pass? A similar bill last year was voted down in the Senate. This time around, the housing advocates that I spoke to said that they had worked pretty closely with landlords groups, and they think they've come up with a compromise, which is good enough that they think it will be able to pass. Its path is that it's set to head to the House Judiciary Committee next and then to the floor. The limitation will be time. This is, of course, a short legislative session. So that's what they are worried about most. That's the thing about these shorter sessions. Really, everything is time limited. Today, for instance, I was watching a committee meeting where they were talking about House Bill 71. It's housing related. That is a bill aimed at changing the property tax rules in New Mexico so that short-term rental properties and second homes can be taxed at a higher rate. In part to build revenue, but I think one of the other goals is to kind of incentivize landlords to have more long-term rentals. You mentioned the dearth of housing in the state. One of the figures I found in Santa Fe County alone, we're short, according to the Santa Fe Association of Realtors, we're short something like 7,500 rental units right now. Wow. And there's so many second homes as well in this part of the state, right? So I I believe uh, in Santa Fe County, again, I think it's about 5,000 vacant second homes. Wow. Wow. So, and the bill would be designed to at least tax those at a higher rate than regular houses. Right. All right. Well, what other housing related bills could possibly pass in this session? There's a number of bills and they are designed to address this lack of affordable housing. So one of them is we have Senate Bill 19, which would allot $70 million to a body called the New Mexico Housing Trust Fund. 
that money can be used for a whole variety of things. It can be used to build houses, but it can also be used to do things like weatherize, improve energy efficiency in houses that already exist. That bill has been passed by the Senate Health and Public Affairs Committee. And then there's some things that I think probably indicate a sort of broader recognition that something has to change or things could get really dire. One is House Memorial 9, which is something that's not legally binding, but it's a recommendation to convene a diverse housing and economic development committee to make recommendations to alleviate these problems that are sort of both chronic and acute. And that's something I've heard again and again from builders and developers and affordable housing advocates, that there is just a lot of bureaucratic holdup in the process of building homes. Uh, We know we're way behind and it's going to take forever to catch up because the projects are going so slowly. For instance, here in Santa Fe, there is a project called Siler Yard that I believe was started in 2014 or 2015. And it's just now getting to the point where people are moving in. Yeah, yeah. Which is great that they're moving in now, but it just goes to show how difficult it is. You know, I heard from one of the stakeholders that they got set back weeks because there weren't enough electrical inspectors in the city of Santa Fe to come check out the buildings and clear them. So that's just one example of bureaucratic holdups. All right. Well, Alice Fordham from KUNM Radio, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. That was Alice Fordham, who recently started working with KUNM Radio. We'll keep an eye on her reporting and see if we can get her back on YNMG in the coming weeks. Now, a quick recap of some of the big legislative moves this week. First, and maybe the biggest news of the week, is that after more than six hours of testimony and public comment, the Energy, Environment, and Natural Resources Committee voted to table Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham's pet project, the Hydrogen Hub Development Act. We'll watch to see if it comes back up this session. Also, the governor on Friday signaled through her education secretary she would back a $15 an hour minimum wage for school workers. The news came just before a joint meeting of the state house and Senate. Advocates on Thursday addressed the Senate Finance Committee seeking $50 million to address nursing shortages in the state. The Albuquerque Journal reported the budget request includes $15 million to expand nursing programs and $35 million to create faculty endowments to pay for professors of nursing. Legislative analysts have estimated that New Mexico needs more than 6,200 nurses to address an acute shortage that existed even before the pandemic. We already mentioned some of the housing bills, but Friday afternoon, Senate Bill 134, which would add new recurring funding from bonds issued on taxes of natural resource extraction. The funds would go to the New Mexico Housing Trust Fund. As of the time of this recording, the bill was in front of the Senate Health and Public Affairs Committee. If passed, it will go on to the Senate Finance Committee. House Bill 44, the affirmative consent policy in schools that would have required a positive affirmative consent for sexual conduct, was deemed not germane to the legislative session and died this week. Only the governor has the power to bring it back this year. There was a lot more that happened at the Rand House this week. Find info on particular bills online at nmlegis.gov. You can pull down the legislation tab and search by keyword. 
That's a wrap for today's show. Thanks for joining us. And thanks again to New Mexico PBS, KUNM Radio, and the Thornburg Foundation for coming together for this public service with the goal of increasing access and understanding of your New Mexico government. Look online for the hashtag YNMG and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify. I'm Kaveh Movahead. We'll be back with more in just a few days.